Welcome to the Hear My Story podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We love having you here. And it's our mission to bring you powerful stories of everyday people. Prepare to be inspired. Here's your host, Josh Oxendine. Hear My Story, what is going on? I am your host, Josh. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We truly, truly try to be a podcast that brings you hope. Uh, We do that primarily through just listening to powerful stories of everyday people. Uh, Today we have an incredible story of hope uh, of a man by the name of Andrew Garrier. Andrew is a friend of mine. I've known him for probably about 10 years. And last year we were able to uh, sit in and record his story. It is one that um, has gone from uh, drug dealing to uh, being in prison um, to committing probably crimes he never thought he would uh, to to now being a pastor. And uh, it is an incredible story. It's an incredible story of redemption. It's an incredible story uh, of God's providence on a man's life when he places um, all his faith in him. Um, and so uh, I know that you will be inspired. I know that it'll be a story of hope to so many. So without further ado, this is the story of of Andrew Gurrier. But at this point, things became a little bit more sophisticated, more organized. And I, I kind of landed myself in trouble where I was actually um, facing six felony convictions. And I was facing 25 years in prison at the age of 18 years old. My name is Andrew Garrier. Hear my story. And my father was in the automotive industry. Uh, he was a body man, a repair man, if you will. and. Um, he decided to start a business and they, they first went to Cincinnati and then they moved down to Miami where he actually borrowed about $8,000 from my uncle to start a collision repair center. And um, he grew that business to about $1.3 million a year. He was grossing every year in business. And um, around that time, they had this beautiful, brilliant child by the name of Andrew, um, AKA me. And uh, just grew up in a great household, man. It was, uh, we had everything, you know. We, we, uh, we are middle high or middle upper class family. I remember just going to school and everybody would come to my house after school because they knew I had all the snacks and the games and I had the Nintendo with the power pad and the duck hunt with the gun. And everybody knew when they came over to the house they were gonna eat good and they were gonna play well. And it was a safe and fun environment and all the neighbors kind of loved us for being there. And um, I almost had this little title where I was like the Fresh Prince growing up because I had all the Jordans before they came out. You know, I was a sneakerhead even from a kid. And, you know, my parents would, you know, make me do chores around the house and they would reward me with Jordans. So it was a good life. Um, And then my parents, they got divorced when I was nine. And then that's when things started to go left a little bit. So as I was kind of bouncing around from house to house, Uh, My oldest sister was working at a nightclub at the time and uh, she was a go-go dancer for this club in Miami uh, called Fat Black. Do your research. That was the biggest nightclub in Miami. It happened on a Monday night. Everyone you could name came to this club. I remember she would uh, sneak me into the club every Monday night. I would go in there and act as though I was carrying her bags and then I'd get in the nightclub and just stay for the whole night after carrying her bags inside. And I remember just being in the VIP section with people like Madonna, Mike Tyson, Shaquille O'Neal, just about everybody you saw on TV 
would come to this nightclub, even if they were just flying in for the night. They would literally fly private jets to come party and then go back home and maybe it was game day the next day or what have you. But I would always hear these conversations of people with money and people would show up in Ferraris and Lamborghinis. So I was so attracted to that life. And I was, you know, a young kid at the time. At this time, I was probably about 14, 15 years old seeing all this stuff. And I figured, man, I'm going to go out and try to get me some money. So my first attempt into buying a Lamborghini or a Ferrari was trying to go get a job at McDonald's. And you know McDonald's ain't, ain't gonna cut it. You ain't gonna get no Lamborghini working at McDonald's. And uh, I tried to go get this job at McDonald's and they told me, man, you know, you have all the qualifications for this job. The problem is you're, you're, you're not 16. So we can't legally hire you. So I went to the next best thing and I started selling drugs at a very early age. You know, Miami is the closest city to the water. So a lot of drugs get valeted into Miami and it's spread out throughout the United States. So the opportunity to sell drugs were endless. At this point, things became a little bit more sophisticated, more organized, and I, I kind of landed myself in trouble where I was facing 25 years, uh, was found guilty of fleeing to a loo, which meant uh, I, was, I put the cops on a high-speed chase. And they gave me the maximum for that charge, and, and they gave me five years for it. So I went from 25 years down to five years. And because they sentenced me as a youthful offender, I was actually eligible to enroll into a, a boot camp. So during my time in prison, uh, I, I kind of took the instruction from my aunt once again. I really reconnected with God. I would call my aunt all the time. and She would just encourage me over the phone and, and pray with me and pray for me and, and just say that God still has a plan for your life. And even in prison, I had favor because I, I had a job in prison. I was, a, I was a teacher's aide. So I was an education aide where I was helping inmates um, get their GED. And um, I was even actually reading some of their letters from home because they didn't know how to read. And then I was leading Bible studies and got involved with a, a group of believers that was very solid, that kind of took me under their wings. So I didn't really have a lot of issues in jail, man. All the OGs uh, kind of looked out for me and, and they called me Deke, like for Deacon. So they called me a young Deacon and uh, they just felt like I had a promising future. So prison was like a ministry for me. You would think it would be a low point in my life, and, and it was for sure, but it actually um, really got me reconnected with God. You know, what actually became a low point in my life was when I came home. So I was eligible for early release as a result of going to this prison boot camp. So I got bumped up the waiting list because I had favor in the prison and they knew I was uh, going to do well if I got out. So they bumped me up the list and I went through this four-month boot camp. And again, I was on fire for God when I came out. I felt like, man, God, you, you reduced a 25-year sentence to me only doing about a year and a half in prison. And the rest of that time was served on probation. So I had about three years left to do on paper. And when I came out, it was like, man, what am I going to do? I'm a convicted felon. How am I going to work? But I just knew God had a plan. And I actually ended up getting a job at a cellular phone company called TrackPhone. And I don't even know if they're still in business today, but uh, I got a, a job in track phone. I was working in the um, customer service department. They were paying $15 an hour, and then they'll pay you double for every hour that you work overtime. So I was killing overtime. I'd be over there like all the time, get $30 an hour. And then from there, I started promoting parties. And then I was always into music. I was rapping since middle school. So I began recording music again, and I had some friends who started an independent label, 
and we formed this label and things were going great. Started promoting parties, so I had like three streams of income. I had a beautiful girl at the time. She was amazing. She was like the baddest chick in Miami, at least in my mind. And everywhere I go, I get respect from the OGs. Like, man, Shawty came out of prison and he got himself all together. So life was good. And then I began to negotiate with God. I told myself that I was going to be faithful to this one girl, but that didn't work out. You know, I started promoting parties. So there were girls that was coming to my parties all the time. And then I was actually performing at the own, at the, the very nightclubs that I was promoting. So the clubs that I was a promoter at, I'd actually be performing. So I'm on stage doing my music thing. And every time I come off stage, there was a new chick that was interested in me. And, you know, I began just kind of really going back into the direction of getting further away from Christ and, and from my faith and, and from what I said I was going to hold on to when I got out. And that led to other things. You know, once you get involved, you know, sin creeps in and the enemy looks for a door to get into. And then he just starts presenting new opportunities. And I, and I caved in. Uh, I just went back into a life of just smoking weed, um, drinking, partying all the time, um, sleeping around with multiple women. And I began to hit a real low point in my life again. And I, I lost my job. Uh, I lost the girl that I, I, that I was with, that I had uh, vowed to be faithful to. She found out what I was doing, so she left. Uh, I lost my condo. Uh, I just lost everything. And I got to a point where I was literally sleeping on the floor in my mother's apartment on a mattress. And it was at that moment I realized that I'm, I'm gonna have to leave. And I began to reconnect with God in such a way where I began praying and asking God, okay, God, I, I'm at rock bottom again. What do you want me to do? And I felt this call to, to move to Atlanta. I felt God saying that you need to move to Atlanta. So I moved to Atlanta and started working with a software company. And then I got introduced to a guy who was involved with sports ministry. And I began uh, volunteering with this sports ministry, became a chaplain for several different high schools and middle schools in and around Atlanta. And I eventually took on a full-time position with this organization. And then I uh, took a position at a church as a youth pastor. Uh, and then I became the missions and outreach pastor. So my career in ministry really began to, to blossom. You know, one of the things I'll say to young people that are trying to get money, especially illegal money, you know, I always ask the question to young people. I say, hey man, if I gave you a million dollars, would you do 25 years in prison for me? The answer is always no. If I say, if I gave you two million, or three, or 10, or 20 million, the answer is always no. So I ask, so why would you, why would you risk your freedom and risk your life for a few dollars? If you wouldn't do it for a million or even 20 million, then why would you risk it uh, doing petty crimes or, or for a dime bag or a nickel bag of weed? Why, why would you risk it? And I always just encourage young people to count the cost. Count the cost of what that decision is going to, to do in your life, how it's going to affect you. And once I begin to ask those questions, and especially with young people, when they begin to self-evaluate and really think through their decision, um, they end up giving them themselves um, the right answer. Uh, because I think most people know right from wrong. They just choose wrong out of desperation.